Welcome, everyone, to the Awakened Catholic Show. I almost said church. Welcome to the Awakened Catholic Show. I am your host, Nick Delatore, and I'm here with a really special guest, Ali Dar. Uh, really excited for today's conversation, Ali. But before we begin, roll that intro. <laughs> I don't know if you're ready, Allie. I'm ready. Are you ready? I don't I'm know. Ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? Uh, I'm, I'm a little scared. Like, we're going to talk about some heavy stuff today, and uh, it's going to be intense, but it's going to be awesome. We're also going to talk about exciting stuff. So um, before we get into it, though, I just want to share with you that if you want to support the making of this show and other shows like it on Awaken Catholic, um, you can check out awakencatholic.org slash donate, and you can become a part of this growing movement of people that want to make uh, cutting-edge media and substantive Catholic content for um, people to get on their phones, in their homes, on their TVs, on their computers, iPads, you know, you name it, we're there. And we're creating content that is changing lives, transforming hearts. And so if you want to be a part of what makes that possible, visit awakencatholic.org slash donate. Um, and you can do a monthly or one-time uh, gift that is tax deductible. Secondly, uh, if you want to increase the the magnitude of power and awesomeness of your prayer life, check out the Hallow app. Um, we're really excited to have partnered with Hallow, and um, through our website and through our link, you can get one month free of the premium version of their app. Uh, so definitely check out Hallow through our website or on the link on the screen. And um, yeah, it's beautiful. All right, Allie. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it is the year 2020. Oh my. And we're hurting. We we're are hurting. hurting. It's a weird year. It's been fun. <laughs> but I find that there are people in the world in 2020 that are a positive shining light in the midst of this dark and bizarre situation we're all in. And I feel that you are one of those people that is making a positive difference and you're using a platform that I'm actually interested in hearing how it developed. Um, Instagram. You you are an Instagram influencer, and it's weird. It's weird, right? <laughs> like, so what weird. does that even mean? <laughs> um, and obviously, you didn't wake up one day and just think, you know what? I'm going to be an influencer. You know, like when it really <laughs> happens for the right reasons, the right way. Like, you're you're doing it because you are really making a difference in people's lives. And so, I want to I want to kind of just unpack who you are, what you're doing. You also have um, this really cool thing that I'm excited to hear about. Always enough. This was a gift from Allie to the Awaken Catholic Studio here, uh, and. Yeah, so tell us, who are you and what where are you, do you doing? Where should I start? I mean, I feel like there's start so much. Start at the very beginning. <laughs> it's a pretty well, good I was born in Worcester, Ohio. Um, <laughs> oh, that wasn't the beginning, Allie. We're Catholic. No. <laughs> that is true. Nine months before that, my mm -hmm. mom and dad made a very great decision. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of their only good decisions, by oh, the gosh. way. Oh, gosh. But <laughs> that's, that's, thing, that's, huh? another, that's another topic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm Allie. I guess I'm influencing people mm -hmm. on Instagram, which is still feels weird. Yeah. Um, I started Instagramming about six years ago. I mm -hmm. think that's when it really started. Um, and just sharing our life. We have five little boys. We're Catholic. Um, we both work from home. We started homeschooling a couple years ago, actually. So we were ahead of the 2020 homeschooling yeah. craziness. Um, you were doing it before it was cool. We were. Yeah. We started. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. We, we did not start homeschooling. Well, but... your Instagram influencing is very powerful. <laughs> yeah. I started the homeschool movement, yeah. everyone. <laughs> but um, I just started sharing our life, what we were doing, just 
normal stuff that you think nobody would care about. Like, what are you cleaning your kitchen with? You know, what Mm. are you feeding your kids? Just silly stuff. And it kind of snowballed into just connecting with women all across the country, which has been beautiful. And I really try to use the space to keep it real and raw and show things that other women don't talk about or they only talk to their closest friends in private about. Mm. I like to talk about those topics on social media. Um, And some might not agree with that, but I think it helps a lot of women heal and see that they aren't alone in some of their darkest times. Mm. So that is beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, and we're going to get into some of that uh, darkest time type stuff for you in a little bit later in the show. Um, but yeah, so so you just started posting and you started sharing your lives uh, as a family through your account. And people started to latch on to your messaging and the stuff that you were sharing. Um, what do you think it was about what you were delivering that because st- everybody's Instagramming yeah. now, everybody's trying to be an influencer. Like, what are you doing that on an organic level, people were really connecting with. I think I'm just being myself. Like I'm on there without makeup on. I look mm. like a train wreck most days. <laughs> like our house is a mess. Um, so I think I'm not. I'm not trying to influence anyone. I think mm. that might be. Yeah, I don't, that sounds weird. It's but authentic. I'm, yeah, it's authentic. I'm not planning my posts. I'm not like strategic. Yeah, yeah. I'm just posting what's happening and what I'm thinking and my own personal growth right. um, through life. And the other cool thing about that is you are a Catholic person um, who cares about your faith, but you're also not slamming them over the head with your faith mm-hmm. um, because you, you're acknowledging like you have an audience that's broader than just yeah. your Catholic identity. So how do you um, deliver to an audience, that authenticity, that is a diverse audience without making them feel um, alienated as an audience uh, when you are authentically a Catholic person? Like, how do you walk that line and how do you juggle that? I mean, just like I juggle everything else, I just share what I do. I don't expect anyone else to live the life that we're living. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we do have a really good marriage, a really good family life. And I think that shines through. And the root of that is our, our faith. Um, I also know that not everybody has went to church. I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't become Catholic till I was 23. So I know that people are trying to find their way on their own journey. So I feel like I'm kind of that middle step that they can see, okay, she didn't grow up this way, but she's leading her family in such a way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so now you're, you've developed this following and you're, you're kind of, um, you, you've, you've evolved your messaging and, and you're almost approaching it like a ministry in a sense. What is the connection with like this new, tell us about always enough and how that kind of ties into that whole picture. Yeah. So always enough, um, started from me never feeling enough growing up. Yeah. yeah, I see it. Um, growing up, never felt enough. And even when I was a mom, I just never felt mom enough, wife enough. I just felt like I was failing in every area. And I was like, it's because I was honestly looking at people on social media. Mm. I was like, my house is never going to be that clean. Yep. Like, I'm never going to look that good. My husband doesn't do that for me. And I was just constantly feeling less than. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm enough. Yeah. If my house is a mess in this season, or if I don't know everything about the Catholic faith, I'm still enough because I'm showing up and I'm who I am and I can grow in all the areas that I'm struggling in, but just 
knowing you're enough and who you are is is huge. So that's why I started Always Enough, um, which is women's retreats. We do weekend, no yeah, we do weekend retreats. Um, clearly, pandemic. Right. <laughs> Our, we had one right before the pandemic in Nashville, Tennessee, um, mm. and it was beautiful, perfect timing actually, because we got shut down like the next two weeks. Um, oh my gosh! But. Yeah. Also clothing, always enough. Um, and women are wearing it all across the country. That's and it's, so cool. it's just an easy message to remind somebody when you're in the store, can't talk with your face mask yeah. on, like you're always enough. Yeah. So that's wow. how that started. What an important message too, because it's so easy in this world, like you're saying, it, it, like more than ever with social media, um, it's easy for people to fake a perfect life. <laughs> yes. And then what that does, like we always, the, before social media was what it is and we had all these influencers and stuff, there was always the talk about magazines mm -hmm. and the deception of like the cover of those magazines and the photos in it and how that made women feel like they weren't enough. And, and honestly, men probably experienced the same thing. You walk around any men's fitness magazine yeah. and you're like, well... I'm never going to look like Allie's husband. <laughs> that man's beautiful. He's got big muscles, wavy hair, um, tall. It's like Scandinavian, like the the epitome of Scandinavian glory. Um, is he Scandinavian? No. Nope, no. Nope. Nope. All right. Just kidding. Well, he looks like he could be. Um, he looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Five kids, That man everyone. could have been a Viking. Like, uh, anyways, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to get off my man crush here. Um, so, yeah, it's like this idea of comparison. And it was, it's always been there in, in different ways. And, and as we evolve as a society and progress, the ways in which that's going to impact evolve and progress. Mm -hmm. And like it was the magazines and now it's social media. And I love that you're using the platform that so often tears people down. Mm -hmm. um, you're using that to build people up. And yeah. that's so beautiful. Um, and I know of so many people that are constantly wrestling with this question of, do I just leave Facebook and Instagram? Do I, do I set it? And, and it's because they are yeah. encountering that comparison and they, they are finding themselves feeling like less, but, but, you know, provisions like what you're doing really kind of, uh, help to reclaim that territory. And, and I just hope that it continues to grow. Me too. And I always tell people if somebody on social media is making you feel less than or making you second guess yourself, unfollow. Yeah, yeah. And start following. There's so many amazing um, pages to follow, so many uplifting pages. Just follow those. And that's all that's going to show up on your feed. Mm -hmm. um, so just unfollow anybody who's not making you feel your best self. Amen. Yeah. You only get one life, so don't yes. screw it up with social media. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we continue, Allie. We need to bring back the highly demanded, uh, widely appreciated, life-changing segment called Catholic Weird Stuff. Catholic Weird Stuff. Why do they do the things that they do? All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to be talking about the Catholic Weird Stuff we do in Mass. <laughs> Uh, now, there's probably a lot of stuff that could be said about the weird stuff we do in mass, but specifically, we're going to talk about what is known as Catholic calisthenics. Um, now, you, um, I've seen a little bit on your Instagram feed about calisthenics or, or My like husband, just energy yeah. and and workout and stuff. Yeah. So your husband's doing that? Is yep. that okay? Yeah. So you know, it's funny to me, like this notion of Catholic calisthenics, like uh, it's it's obviously meant to be. Uh, it, by, when it's used by some people, it's a term that is like with endearment and like, oh, isn't it cute what we do? And then for some people, it's like, wow, it's like a derogatory thing. Like, wow, look at those weirdos. Um, and so what we're going to talk about, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the calisthenics, <laughs> when we're in mass, uh, Catholics do a lot of sitting, kneeling, standing in reverse order, in any number of orders, over and over again, all throughout the course of what is usually an hour long mass. And to an outside perspective, it's like, 
uh, what are these people up to? Yeah. And you used to not be Catholic. I was like, what are they doing? Yeah. No, I just want to sit here quietly. <laughs> right, right. So I just want to, this is like kind of a quick one. Um, so for one thing, it's important to address like what those different postures represent. Um, so for the sitting, uh, a way to approach this is that sitting is like a posture of listening and reception. So like right now we're having a conversation and we're sitting and it's kind of this, um, to me, it's an expression of I'm willing to, to rest in this moment and, and to not quickly like move to the next thing. And so I'm, I'm willing to just sit and receive the dialogue with you, receive your words and, and hear what you have to say. And so this, this posture of sitting disposes us, it predisposes us to like that posture of, of, of reception and interaction with, with someone else. And in the, the case of the mass, that someone else is God. Um, do you have anything to say about the sitting? Any thoughts? That's my favorite part. <laughs> it's the sitting. Especially when you're tired, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. The second one I want to address is standing. So standing, um, and this is, there, there are parts of the standing in mass that are actually like weirdly debated. Um, but uh, what I'm going to address first is that it's a posture of respect, unity, and it's also a, a posture of like declaration, right? So anytime you're watching uh, an inspirational movie about a teacher or, or a school or something like, you know, you'll have, you'll have a student stand up and they're like making a declarative statement and like more and more people will stand up and what they're saying with their bodies is like, I want you to really pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm making a declaration of what I believe. Um, and so that's one of the ways to look at that as well as respect. Like someone walks into a room, there's been this longstanding tradition in human history where you stand up if someone walks into a room to greet them. Or if someone is approaching a dinner table, in particular, if you're a man, when it's a woman approaching the dinner table, you stand to welcome her to the table. And so it is like this, this gesture of respect. Um, and then similar to like the declarative statement, uh, you know, unity, like similar, you know, in those movies that are inspirational, when someone stands up and more and more people stand up, they're saying, I'm unified with whatever is happening in that moment. So along those lines in the mass, um, we will stand very often for various parts of the mass where we're praying. Um, and then we'll also stand uh, in reverence and respect to receive the word of God and the gospel, the good news. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Any thoughts on that? No, I never even looked at it that way. And I really like that. And I can pass that on to my children as why they're standing. That's like, beautiful. Yeah. I, lo I love that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and then the final one, kneeling. Uh, kneeling is interesting um, because of the, it, it's a posture of humility and adoration. And so it's like, you know, even historically, like when we look at um, the interaction of like, I'm not saying we're peasants, but if you look at like peasants with kings and queens and royalty, um, like you kneel out of a, a sense of humility and reverence for the, their kind of lordship over us. And with the Lord, we kneel in in reverence of his lordship over us and we're saying like i love you i worship you i adore you uh, and it's just a way of expressing that with our bodies um and so there's probably a lot more to be said about kneeling because kneeling is, is such a beautiful way to express prayer um but yeah there it is so um what i would say in terms of explaining why it is has any value or any place in the mass is uh, we are into, like I talked about in the last Catholic Weird Stuff segment last week with Father Eric Shield, um, we are not just corporeal beings. We don't just have flesh and bone. We are also spiritual beings and we are fully integrated. And when we want to express something, it is all the more integrated for us to express it with our spirits. 
Alina's taking the paper away from me. She doesn't want me to read from it. Um, it's it's all the more meaningful for, meaningful for us to express what we're trying to express, not just through words, but with our bodies. And so, like, I can tell Alina, I love you. Alina's my wife. I can tell her, I love you. But how much more meaningful is it for me to say I love you, followed up with a hug, or like an embrace, or, or even a kiss, engaging my body in the statement that I'm making? And it's kind of this, this more comprehensive, and, and be, it becomes more meaningful a way to communicate and express something. So that's why we're through the mass engaging our bodies so that our bodies are also saying what our words are saying. Um, so, yeah, I love like all of that because I'm still like, why am I standing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. No, I, that makes perfect sense. I love it. It's not weird. It's normal. Unless you don't know. <laughs> And then yes. it's weird. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Allie, for that uh, segment of Catholic weird stuff. So um, we going back to the person of Ali Dar, um, we, we kind of touched on the fact that you haven't always been Catholic. No. Um, so why don't we dive into a little bit of that faith journey? Um, because I think it, it obviously has a huge bearing on everything, both, you know, what you're doing with your platform as an influencer, as well as your work with Always Enough, as well as kind of the heavier stuff we're going to get into in a little bit. You know, creating context and laying the groundwork, the, the person of Ali Dar, faith journey. Faith journey. Uh, I didn't go to church at all growing up. Um, it wasn't a priority to my parents, so it did not become a priority to me. And um, yeah, we just never went. So when I met my now husband, Jordan, he was Catholic and he asked me, he's like, what's your faith? And I'm like, normal. <laughs> and he's like, what? Like, because I didn't know, like, am I Christian? And like, I knew God and I liked God and this concept of God, but I didn't have an actual faith. So he was Catholic and he would wake up every Sunday morning while we were dating and he would go to mass. And I was like, huh. And he was always happy and always like, just felt good and mm. was positive. And I was like, maybe I should go. Yeah, Maybe I should go to mass. And I started going and learning about the Catholic faith and um, decided that when we got engaged that I would become Catholic as well. Mm. Um, but I was the naughty Catholic. We had a baby before marriage. And when I was baptized, I was 39 weeks pregnant with our first son. And I joked that he was like double baptized because he was in me and then got his baptism later on. That's great. But yeah, I didn't become Catholic until 39 weeks pregnant, 23 years old. It wasn't the perfect story, mm. um, but getting baptized just felt amazing. Yeah. Like just knowing that I was loved mm -hmm. and not that I could do no wrong because we yeah, can right. do a lot of wrong, but it just felt good to finally have that foundation. Mm. Interesting. So I was struck by like, let me ask you a question. Jordan's life when he was, and you were dating and he was going to mass and um, that is, was his life perfect? No, no. Okay. Nope. <laughs> yeah. He was joyful. He was. Um, and you were drawn to faith mm -hmm. through the joy that you witnessed in him and the dynamic that you knew that his life wasn't perfect yet he was joyful. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a hugely important message because we in our own lives, when we're expecting that our relationship with Christ and the church is going to make our life easier, we're going to be let down mm -hmm. and we're going to, um, we're going to misappropriate the role that that relationship is meant to have for us. Mm -hmm. 
What do you think it was about him and his relationship with the Lord and the church that even through difficulty and challenges and whatever he was facing allowed him to have that joy? I'm not sure. It just seemed like he had a different perspective for things Mm. and didn't see just normal day to day upsets. He didn't take them too serious and would just kind of like, okay, it is what it is in a sense. But I think it's because he had that foundation. Um with Christ and knew there was something bigger that the little day-to-day things weren't bothering him the way that they bothered me because I didn't have a foundation. Wow. That's so huge. That's beautiful. I feel like that's super convicting too for, for myself. And maybe if you're watching or listening right now, um, you know, when we're going through trials, like we are being watched, like people are observing Mm -hmm. what a relationship with God means through the way that we live it out. And we can literally be the difference between someone entering into the fullness of truth in the church in relationship with him or not. And even for me, I think back to my Catholic schooling and I have really good relationships with a lot of the teachers that I had back then now, but at the time, like, you know, these are great people, but like at the time, the way that Catholic schooling was put together and things have changed a lot. It's been, I'm I'm an older guy now, so it's been quite a number of decades, but, but there were, it was really hard to understand the value or what the faith was offering that would, um, that my life would be better for. So essentially after high school, like I was done. Really? Yeah. I was done with faith. I was, and, um, and, and to me, a lot of it was like, we would talk about you know, we would have huge banners on the walls throughout the school halls, identifying life skills and commandments and all these good things in theory. But then we wouldn't see those life skills really being executed mm. by our teachers. And we saw yeah. misrepresentation of the discipleship values. and value. Yeah. yeah. And so I, you know, what, what we observed, like I was between that and some of the stupid crap going on in my family, I was like, just yeah, there's really nothing here for me. Like God doesn't have anything to offer me. So you were kind of pushed away. I was pushed away. By how strict it was? Or I, I would say by the poor example of discipleship. Okay. Um, like the poor example of what you saw in Jordan in mm-hmm. contrast, where like a faith life does lead to joy and love and uh, is meant to. And in contrast, I was seeing angry teachers who hated their students um, or at least hated the way we were behaving and so weren't able to love us well. Um, or be as patient as they could have been. Now, granted, my class was really something. So there's that. But um, yeah, so I just, I'm, I'm taking away from that, just even that part of the story, like the, the importance of being a proper representation of the faith. And that is what it is to be a Christian. It's yeah. to be a little Christ. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling convicted by that. I'm definitely going to walk away even just with that as a, a major point. Um, okay. So then you become Catholic, 39 weeks pregnant. And um, basically, you, how many kids do you have now? We have five. You have five boys. Five boys. Uh, how, how many years have you been married? Uh, we just celebrated. Hold up. Oh boy. Was it 11? Yeah. It's oh boy. My son's 11. So <laughs> Hopefully it's 11. Jordan's not watching I'm like, this. was it 12? Like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm planning yeah. for the 12th. Yeah. Um, you know, the gifts, you got to plan really good. Oh, okay. Um, I got but you. Yeah. So five kids. Awesome. Okay. 11 years, 11 years of marriage, five kids, um, five boys that, uh, okay. <laughs> so you recently had a really, really challenging thing happen. Um, you, you have six kids. 
Uh, we actually have eight. You have eight. Mm -hmm. All right. Talk to me about that. Okay. So we have had three losses. Um, we had one really early on between two and three. Um, it was like seven weeks and it was our first miscarriage and I was angry, 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 angry. Didn't understand why it was happening to me. Um, I didn't take it very well mm. at all. I wasn't really talking about it. Um, and it was just hard, but then we got pregnant. So I'm like, okay, it was just, it was just a fluke. We're good. Um, everything's great. And we went on to have two more boys completely healthy. And so then I just chalked that one miscarriage up to, you know, it just, that just happens. Yeah. Um, and then we went on to have, it's hard to keep count. Cause I, I should, I do keep count of our miscarriages, but I count my boys that are with me every single, like walking sure. alive That's by me every day. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, so we were pregnant with our fifth son, um, Henry, and we lost him at 20 weeks. And that was, I was, oh, it was the worst because we were past the point of you're safe the first, after you get after 12, 13 weeks, you're supposed to be pretty safe that this pregnancy is going to be fine. Um, so to get halfway through, I was showing, everybody knew I was pregnant. It, yeah. it was awful. When um, you develop a relationship at that point, oh, differently than at seven weeks. Oh, so much. We had a name, we had clothes, our boys knew, the school they went to knew, everybody knew. Yeah. Um, and so it was hard. That was the hardest. Um, and the fact that I, I used to cry every time I would talk about it shows the healing process mm. that I've got to walk with my faith. Um, and so we lost Henry. Um, but then we went on to have Teddy, um, perfectly healthy, sweet little boy. He's our rainbow. We have two rainbow babies. Rainbows are a baby after a loss. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love rainbows. That's why I love rainbows. There's That's one awesome. on my necklace. Um, and then this year we got pregnant again. And I was like, all right, 2020, you're looking up. Everything is looking up. <laughs> Wait, to, to have that be a statement, like, can we just pause there? <laughs> 2020 is looking good. What month was that? 